Oh no, it's already not working. <laughs> I don't have the audio for some reason. That's weird. Hello, audience. Can you guys hear? I'm not getting the music, which we would normally be getting. Um, and I tested it about 10 times, of course. Anyway. I'm telling you, until I hit the button, no matter how many times I test. Well, we're on. That much I can see. Okay. Audio is good. We hear you. All right. Well, we didn't get the theme music, but hello, everybody. How are you guys? Welcome to the big show because it is four o'clock on Monday, but not for today's guest because it is midnight in England. We're joined today by Naomi on the left and Davis and... They are the Roberts family, and they own a company called Flare Audio that I've recently fallen in love with. So welcome to the big show, guys. Great to see you, and thank you for staying up so late. Thank you for having us. Uh, nice to meet you, Michael, and thanks for having us. Uh, and now I'm getting an audio loop. Let's see. Uh, did I spend an hour getting the setup perfect? Yes, I did. And is it perfect now? No, it's not. Okay, talk to me now for a second. Yep, how does that? One, two, testing. Okay, good, I got rid of that loop. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, they are co-founders and co-CEOs of Flare, Flare Audio, and you guys know that it's rare that I would bring a company on or a product on. I'm not being paid to do this, um, no incentive. I actually did a piece on it uh in our newsletter um and then several days later a pair of these lovely bad boys the e-prototypes showed up um thank you for these and i will tell you more about it in a moment but uh you guys know me well enough to know that anytime i get a chance to talk about audio that i will do so with great passion um so about Two years, three years ago, I heard about a thing from a company called Flare Audio, and uh, it was called A Calmer. And uh, to be quite honest, my wife and children would tell you that some noises will make my shoulders get tight and I get a little cranky or aggravated. And I thought, what the hell? So I ordered some, but I didn't really use them, right? I didn't leave them in very long, and I went, eh no big deal. And I put them on the shelf in the bathroom and didn't think much about it until a couple of months ago, a very old dear friend of mine named Robert Cordy, who uh, was my assistant engineer 40 years ago in Florida and then um, does very high-end audio restoration for Warner Brothers. And he said to me, I've got some uh, earphones that you need to check out. And I thought, really? You're that excited about them, uh-huh, okay. So I went in with a little bit of a cynical attitude, let's say, and he came over to my house on a Sunday and we sat down at the kitchen table and he said, pick your favorite Steely Dan song, which is my favorite rest, uh, um, reference. <clears throat> and I put these in and I went, hmm, oh, oh. Wow. <laughs> I just like the longer they were in, the more I kept getting impressed with them. And uh, so here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about these, but um, 
give me the beginning. Um, I, I, I said to Davis, what a strange thing. Did you wake up when you were a kid say, gee, when I grow up, I want to solve audio problems. I, most little boys want to be a fireman. And he said, I was. So tell <laughs> So please give us, uh, you've been sitting there very patiently listening to me ramble on, but I want to hear about uh, how did this all come about? So when I was a child, about 13, 14 years old, um, I ran a thing called a mobile disco, which in the UK was basically um, speakers and some lights that you drove to a hall, you set it up and you provided the PA and the disco for whatever party was happening. And I did that from about the age 14 with my dad driving me around with my homemade loudspeakers and my homemade turntables and um, lights that had come off Star Wars because my dad was in special effects and he worked on films like The Shining, Jack Nicholson and different stuff that was in the 70s. So I had these really cool things that nobody really knew that come from these great films. But yeah, they had and they were all at this disco. Anyway, skip on a few years. I joined the two years, spent two years in the lifeboat service, which is a bit like the Coast Guard in the US. It's a voluntary um, service that saves people uh, in, in the sea and then got into the lifeboat, sorry, into the fire brigade where I spent 13 years as a firefighter and lastly as a crew commander at Shoreham by Sea Fire Station. Um, it was at that point I just didn't feel fulfilled in life and um, Naomi, you worked for uh, Mid-Sussex District Council as a youth officer and you were doing events for uh, under 18 events and anti-drug events and there was this one event that you were doing that it was, like, it was like a Battle of the Band type event and I'd booked a kind of a pop punk band. This was about how many years ago? This was 2007. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were called Cooper, K-O-O-P-A, they were a three-piece, um, great fun, booked them. Dave, Dave um, said, look, I would really love to provide the sound and I... You I, resisted. I, was, <laughs> I said no at first <laughs> and then eventually I was like, okay, go on then, you can do the sound and did the sound we had a massive spot it was a really small kind of hall and we had this huge sound system and dave was doing dave was on the desk and the band loved it and um, they loved it so much that they asked dave to be their sound engineer and they said you know we're we're um we've got a big gig next week we'd love you to do our front of house dave said yes and um it was the isle of white main stage 50,000 people with the heritage 3000 and, and you and you really great. had no background as an audio no. engineer no <laughs> but wow. i knew I, I know about sound in terms of what i want to hear so anyway a great I, photo of you looking terrified petrified, on the yeah, sound with a wall of outboard not knowing what any of the outboard did and the hire company saying hey what do you want and there's you know well tell me what i should have <laughs> That's typical of what you see as a system tech with a new engineer coming through. You know, you know, I must have looked awful. But um, any event, <laughs> fell in love with um, fell in love with sound and live it, it, the live experience. Invested um, some of our life savings into a sound system. Started providing um, PA for gigs. We were doing larger dance events, some tours, um, some major festivals in the UK. So we did festival. We did sort of different events like this. And I very quickly became aware that sound was pretty much all over the place. Some gigs were great, some gigs were not so great. Sometimes they blame the weather, sometimes they blame the sound system, sometimes they blame <laughs> the artist. 
And it was just uh, it's all, always the mixer's fault, but we're just, <laughs> <laughs> always. So it would go on like this, and so I was like, "Well, what's going wrong?" So we started. Now, long story short, there's a lot. There's a lot more to this, you know, in terms of the story of being sort of forced into designing my own loudspeakers because, <laughs> you know, I had issues with the the company that we were, what we bought loudspeakers from because they didn't like the fact I was so passionate and pushing things forward so much. So we decided to make our own stage wedges and um, they perform really well. So I then looked at my own, creating my own bass bins and we launched them in style at a Calvin Harris gig. We did Calvin Harris in Brighton for his Brighton, uh, part of his Brighton tour. It's like an opening gig. It was one of his first ones. I yeah, think. And, and, and the sound was really great. And I was like, you know, we were in Pro Sound News, flare launches in style and it all sort of started off. But at that point, I was like, how do I start to address the issues? How do I understand, you know, what's distortion in the speaker? What's distortion? You know, where's all this distortion coming from? So it was at that point that I realized that in order to address the issues in sound, I need to think differently. I need to think as if I'm in sound. And that was the point where I started to thought experiment particles. And so I see sound as just an arrangement of particles that are being disturbed and they are vibrating in different directions depending on where they've been impulsed from. So if you've got a sound wave traveling this way, they, they, sorry, well, there we go. Yeah, you should <laughs> actually yeah, get more in frame. There you go. If a particle comes like this, it hits this one, then off it goes and it hits that one and so on. And that's how I see sound information being transferred from particle to particle. Interesting. And thought, uh, and you don't see it as as waves, but I guess the particles make up the waves. Particles make up the waves, but I'm thinking of much smaller detail than a wave, because if you just think of a wave, it's going to be impossible to start to predict how that wave's going to bounce and how it's going to reflect. It gets very chaotic. But if you think at a particle level, you can start to think about, OK, what happens in this position if a particle hits here? How's it going to bounce how's it going to vibrate how what, what, it's very predictable uh, at a particle level so very quickly the, the two sort of uh, technologies at that point so let me give you the basic first ever there we go right i've got to, if i go that way it goes that way on the screen it's just going to yeah, get that bit wrong. those would be a little hard to get them in your ears <laughs> so yeah this is a loudspeaker it's got resonating sides on purpose. This is traditional loudspeaker that everybody else has. And I realized that as this um, diaphragm goes backwards and forwards and vibrates, then so does all of these um, different sides on the loudspeaker. And these act as trampolines. If you're a particle and you hit this and it starts to flex a little bit, you're gonna be fired in the opposite direction, creating resonance. Take the same wood and lay it into a laminated structure. So it's uh, okay. so that's a ah. yeah. and then those bolts go all the way through. And when you clamp this, so if you imagine if you've got two plates forward and back of the loudspeaker, when you cl clamp this and do it up tight, you apply force on this part, which turns it to concrete. And so that's our first pattern. It's called space technology and it enables us to clamp lightweight materials and turn and unify the resonance of the structure by applying a clamping force. Okay. Oh, so interesting. Okay. Bracing that's inside 
because bracing, the problem with bracing, if I put bracing in here, um, I end up halving the resonant frequency of that piece of wood. And the, like type, and the type of wood and the density um, dictates the, the resonant frequency of it. So Correct. you can so, control that by tuning it by how much compression you put on? Clamping. Yeah, by clamping. So that's our first pattern. This is just a very rough prototype. They don't look like this as finished speakers. You'll be pleased to know they don't look like that. They're solid, you know, some of our loudspeakers are inch, th inch thick pieces of aluminium, front okay. and back. And there are M12 bolts going through where we torque up sort of 50 Newton meters on each bolt. So we end up with this huge, like 100, 150 tons of force. Wow. To completely clamp the loudspeaker. And we use paper inside. The next, the next technology, which is um, where we really go into depth with particles, which is not really, um, well, we haven't pushed this out there because this is in, um, this technology, by the way, is in Olympic Studios in, in Barnes. Uh, mm -hmm. It's in the Olympic cinema now. It's in uh, Selfridges Cinema in, uh, in London and Archlight in Battersea. So there's a few places that have these loudspeakers if anybody's in the area there in the UK and wants to, uh, wants to hear them. Um, but this is called Vortex technology because the other problem we've got, and this is the problem actually that all of your loudspeakers, all traditional acoustic loudspeakers will face this problem. And it's to do with the laws of thermodynamics because as this diaphragm goes backwards and forwards, every time we create a compression inside of a sealed space, it's not energy linear compared to a vacuum. In other words, if you put a finger over a syringe and pull it out, it's actually quite easy. Whereas if you push it in, you'll only get a little way in and you won't get it in any further. Mm -hmm. And that's because particles as they come together, create heat. And as they come apart, they cool down and it gets colder. That's a massive problem for loudspeakers because it means if you've got a, a port or um, a sealed chamber, that driver is not going to be moving in a symmetrical fashion you're going to cause asymmetric distortions with that loudspeaker because it's going to go more out than in. And Interesting. I identified this as being a major problem in terms of hearing damage, because if you think about your ear, your eardrum, your eardrum measuring 100 dB is going to measure an equal movement from its center resting point. Whereas if you're asymmetrically listening to asymmetric sound, you're going to get much more of an inwards movement than you are outward. And that must be putting strain on our ears if you listen to high level sound. So I was very aware that in order to get my symmetrical driver movement, my balanced pendulum piston like driver movement, I needed to get all of the pressure out of the back of the speaker. And we all know that, you know, I could create a dipole, but then I'm going to get interference if I do that. And I've got to try and work out a way to silence the rear energy, but without causing any pressure differential so that is, is I like the way you, that you say we all know that. It's like, no, a lot of people oh, okay. don't. But, uh, okay. <laughs> Naomi, so Naomi, did your mother say, why didn't you marry a doctor or a lawyer instead of a mad scientist? <laughs> Pretty much, actually. It was more <laughs> By the way, this gets a lot more simple as we get going, as we get okay. forward. I'm showing, I'm showing the most complicated technology first. Now, a lot of acousticians don't understand this technology. So let me put this right out there. that This does not follow the standard laws of acoustics, okay? Because wavelength won't fit into these vortices in the common standard acoustic theory. So I just want to get that out there from the get-go because it's what 
I'm always challenged by an acoustician to turn around and say, hey, if you've got 80 hertz, that's never going to fit in here because 80 hertz wavelength is this long. Right. Well, it does because of the way that particles work. That's so, fascinating. Um, My very first day in the studio, I was taught the wavelength of a low E note on a bass guitar and how that affects the room. So this is pretty fascinating to me. Okay, so what happens with this technology is, um, this is called Vortex, and this is um, what we would term as an acoustic silencer. So from a particle sense alone, because this is the only way I can explain this, um, the driver is in the middle here, so this is one quarter of, of the loudspeaker. Okay. So you have a big sort of 12-inch driver. And as, as the driver compresses back, uh -huh. it pushes all the particles through these vortices, Oh, wow. Right? Now, it's, it's, as it goes through and goes in, it's, it's going this way. The particle's traveling this way, but it exits in the other direction. So what that means is any slow-moving air can pass straight through, but any fast-moving sound becomes trapped. And so we end up with these vortices getting very, very hot and very, very cold in terms of if you looked at this under... On a um, map... Does, it, does that make sense or are you? Yeah, it does. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm kind of amazed that you didn't come from a physics background or an audio background and that you were fascinated enough to figure this stuff out. Well, I, my background, because of being a firefighter, all firefighters are very practical people. And we used a lot of- You should explain uh, about the- Yeah, I'm just, yeah. yeah, I'm just about to. So one of the most basic laws that a firefighter uses is the principle of Venturi. So Venturi is a fascinating physics phenomenon where you can have a fast moving body of something and it drags um, air with it. So if you're okay. in a building full of smoke and you've got a person trapped in that building and you need to get them out and you're inside the building with a, with a hose reel, a jet, you get to a door or window and you kick that door or window out and you put the jet of water outside the building on a spray and it will draw all of the smoke out of the room very quickly because of the principles of Venturi. Because okay. fast moving particles with mass can pull um, small, uh, less, less uh, particles that haven't got as much mass, i.e. air, and it will just pull it straight out of the room. And so that principle is how I work with this. I'm using the Venturi principle, but at supersonic speed or uh, speeds of, speed of sound rather than using it at the speed of air. So that, that's, that's our second patent. That's another granted patent that is a US patent, UK patent, Chinese patent. And we've got all of that locked down in terms of our loudspeakers. But and, we spent, and were the loudspeakers your first product? Yeah, so we made these loudspeakers. We deployed them at shows, events. We were doing gigs. We were doing tours. We were doing uh, uh tours engineers would say why are my ears not ringing after a four-hour set what's going on with your loudspeakers and we were at like 115 120 db and it's because of this treating the ear you know in a, in, a, in a caring way because we're thinking about how that wave is coming out the speakers we're not measuring it because it's it's impossible to measure symmetry in air because air pressure changes so you can't get a zero point you can't ground um Part of the problem in sound and part of the problem is not being able to measure sound quality properly is because air is a fluid medium and it's not fixed in terms of pressure so it means when we get a compression and a rare refraction 
we won't ever be able to measure where the midpoint is because the midpoint can change in, in, in air because it's varying so much. Even inside loudspeakers, if you get slightly hotter or slightly colder, your air pressure is going to change. Wow, I had no idea. So it's a big problem. And so microphones, all they're doing is vibrating in the same way our ears are vibrating, and they will automatically move that um, waveform to look like it's symmetrical on a scope because it can do nothing else. That's all it can do. If you wanted to measure a symmetry, you'd have to get a microphone with a fixed chamber inside with uh, calibrated so that it wasn't, uh, it didn't create pressure behind it so that it wouldn't be non-symmetrical or at least asymmetric and then fix it and know what, it, it would just be infinitely hard to actually measure that properly. Um, they do do it on things like impulse response. They can get a better better idea of where the, what, where the wave's doing, but it's still very difficult. So that's how I came about this technology and that we, we sort of made these loudspeakers. People were hearing them and going, this is amazing. Um, we were having, you know, people like Chris Kimsey, Gary Langan, Tony Visconti, all of the greats in the industry turn around and go, we, this is what we've been waiting for. This is really great. The loudspeakers sound amazing. People were using them in studios. People were using them on tours. But we couldn't sell them. And we couldn't Why? sell them because um, the industry, the, certainly the professional audio industry, um, is really sort of covered down by half a dozen major hire companies. And those major hire companies have really strong relationships with mm. the manufacturers. And those manufacturers were feeling very threatened by these new inventions because they didn't need EQ. They don't, they're flat from the get go, <laughs> they produced very high levels of SPL. The other problem we faced in cinemas was in cinemas, they don't use limiters. And if you have a loudspeaker that's creating no audible distortion, even when it's turned right up, um, you're going to blow the driver very quickly. And we were finding that that was happening. People were, even though we're using, you know, pro audio drivers, where it's got serious amounts of wattage, they were still square raving the amplifiers until you wow. heard all the clicks. Because cinema is very loud and people can, you know, when they come in and they watch a movie, they can go from Dolby 7, Dolby 8, Dolby 9, you know, right up to, you know, <laughs> crazy levels. And um, and also, I think in the UK, we're not as, willing to adopt new technology. I think there was a lot of resistance, wasn't there? With and it's new physics. You know, if you're, if you're, I'm just explaining to you there, probably a load of stuff that what, acoustician would be, hang on a minute, this doesn't make sense to me. And there'll be other people saying, hey, it's not understood. It's going to take years to get this technology understood. But there was more of an important thing that happened. And it was, we were demoing Zero, which is our flagship, you know, six foot tall, loudspeaker that we were aiming at studios um, and you know people to listen to the highest level of what we could possibly do and people were saying it's really clean it's really clear but I'm not quite happy with 2k or a little bit too much 5k or they were just all giving me their individual tuning aspects you know right. half a db here quarter of a db there and I was like why is that what's going wrong why Why have we got this loudspeaker that's so clean, yet people were having different opinions as to how it should be tuned? Let and me venture a guess, because no two pairs of ears are the same. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but it, it, We didn't realize back then. Well, we didn't know that the ears were different. <laughs> we didn't quite realize the fundamental um, problem. 
that the industry, all sectors of sound are facing because of, because of these ears. So I started to look at our ears and, and it pretty much dawned on me very quickly from a particle sense. As soon as I started to look at my ear, and when, well, if I'm a particle that's just been, dis, you know, that, I, that I'm vibrating and I go and hit this part, then I'm going to come straight back out again. I'm not going to go inside my ear. And if I hit up here, I'm going to scatter down here. So very quickly, I saw that this concha inside was creating a resonance, quite a large resonance. In but fact, this was all kind of this, all this thought process was kind of going on whilst we were launching other products like the, our first, the first uh, technology that we made for the consumer market was um, miniaturizing all this technology into our first earphone, which was back in 20... 2015. 2015. Um, and because we'd done some, some really cool gigs for... Uh, there's a modular synth group called Node, and in Node there's Flood, the producer Flood, um, David Bessel, there's Mel Wesson as well, who works with Hans Zimmer. There's all these modular synths on stage. And because um, they loved the sound so much, Flood was really happy to be in our in our crowdfund video for our first earphone, and Chris Kimsey was as well. And so Dave managed to miniaturize the text into an, into our first earphone, which gave us this our first consumer audience. And then that kind of gave us a platform to build on. And it was from then that we did the ear protector. The first we did the isolate ear protector, and the isolate ear protector was solid pieces of titanium and aluminium rather than foam because I recognize that if you're going to use foam to try and block sound, you're going to let all the bass through. And that's going to be a horrible, muddy experience. If you've ever used mm. foam earplugs at a gig, it's quite awful. Um, we created Isolate to try and isolate bass frequencies coming into our ears as much as we could so that we're just hearing them through the skull resonance. And this was like a product that was meant to kind of give us a bit more time to focus on earphones and in-ear other in-ear products and I was well we were I was reticent I was saying I remember saying that an ear protector is not very sexy I don't think it's going to do very well on crowdfund and then we sold about 2.1 million pounds worth <laughs> but wow. before that oh, be I don't know what I'm talking before about before that product I want to say that we had about seven years of being right on the edge financially we had a half million pound mortgage that we put into the company we were almost at the case of losing our house we'd spent many years trying to as i started to unlock the technology and started to realize i was going through step by step starting to address every problem in sound what was going wrong realizing that the particle approach was actually allowing me to i mean 15 patents in now is allowing me to like identify each problem and i and solve it properly without guessing um but at the same time you know not commercializing professional audio because that's going to take you know, a lot more, you know, money and time and effort and backing and explanation of physics and everything else. It just, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen in time. So we had to pivot into consumer. We did, we did the eyesight ear protector. We did jet, which was our first earphone jet uses, um, a little jet tuned a bit like a jet on a car engine. So, you know, where you have jet with a fuel and you, you sort of, you, you slow down the amount of fuel going to the engine to tune it. That's how Jet worked, and it got us a, a lot of interest because people are saying it's so clean, it's so controlled, because we're not just letting the driver go chaotic. And that was the sort of start, really, of the earphone market. But when I started to focus on the ear, that was when sort of 
some monumental breakthroughs have happened and i still can't quite believe um what we've got coming and what we've what, what we've done but yeah this this concha so this concha here this is responsible for um reflecting sound in dark ears that's coming from a position from in front of us so it's how our brains understand when sounds coming from in front it's because of this concha because of the phase change that it applies to the ears and the, and the frequency response that it gives to our ears Whereas if sounds coming from behind us, it's a lot more muffled, has to go round behind the ear. In fact, it's quite a miracle how high frequencies get in, to be honest, because it has to come round the flap of the skin and, and, and get in there. It, it, uh, it does it purely because of the way sound radiates out in a sphere. But anyway, so um, became aware of this problem. So we, I created a technology called EarHD90. You might see it. It's this quirky little in-ear device that goes in your ear and it replaces this uh, this little dish with a calculated receptor dish. So the idea is you put it in your ears and it gives you very high definition of someone talking in front of you. If you're typing or if you're making little noises, it's fascinating because it's, if you've ever done that when you're yeah. in the studio, you can hear really clearly, well, that's what this is doing, that technology. So we really launched it. When we launched it, you know, we got some great comments from some great people saying how eccentric it was that a technology company was making things like this. But it's like it's like a, it's like an ear trumpet, kind of, but a, a much smaller kind of. But it's version. what what you see with Flair is you see because we had to commercialize everything that we do to in order to survive. You see these inventions come out as part of my sort of R and D lab. You, it's a really like a skunk works that we do with Flair, but karma. So. 2018, I started work behind the tragus because behind the tragus, when you put your finger in here, and uh, I'll get my little friend here, which is uh, <laughs> our little head, and uh, you can take his head off, and uh, that gives us the, the, the tragus here. So this is this is your your tragus, and you can put your, your finger in your ear, and you can see that that chamber area in here, which is behind the flap of skin, that's uh, that's inside your ear. I wanted to get rid of that resonance because I recognized that this resonance on, on sorry, this, this, this one's better. <laughs> there we go. This resonance here and the resonance behind the, the, uh, the tragus was of serious concern to me in terms of audio quality because I'm like, this must be affecting sound in a significant way because I was starting to realize that a lot of producer friends that I talked to, they'd spend most of their lives in studio pulling out resonances that they didn't like. Mm -hmm. And those resonances were not necessarily the same. And they would have debates on whether that resonance is not bad or that resonance is bad, etc. And so I was fascinated and I was starting to think, I wonder if that is coming from here. So I started to create uh, this technology, which you now know as Karma, um, that was initially designed to go under headphones to try and improve um, our sound experience and, and, and in the studio. It, it didn't do that too well at that point. Um, so I was out Calmer, by the way, there it is. Okay. That is a calmer. Yeah. C-A-L-M-E-R. Um, yeah. And you put one in each ear. Um, yeah. And what it does is it eliminates the distortion at least minimizes, if not completely eliminates the distortion that comes into your ears just during the normal course of listening out in the world. There's no, no electronics, completely passive. 
And honestly, the, the first pair that I got, I put them in for an hour and went, eh, no biggie. Um, and then they were nice enough to send me the upgraded version with a little aluminum insert inside. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give these a fair shot. And I left them in for a day. And it's funny, anytime you listen to the inventor slash owner creator, um, things work better. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to understand what's going on. But it, it inside that tech, all it is, is it's shaped to match the inside of your ears. So it fits. Yeah. And then there's a flat surface inside, a perfectly flat surface towards one side. And the idea is what we're doing is we're changing the geometry inside your ear. So instead of having a shell-like shape, the sound is going and hitting a flat wall that's at 45 degrees. So we are actually focusing the sound on your eardrum. So it's just a bit like if you were to have a studio and you have a flat. Yeah, there you go. It's, uh, that's, that's it. There you go, up the top there. There you go. That's right. that flat. Wow, I could and get so a job it, as a production assistant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, people in the studio will know that you, know, you don't want flat surfaces because sound reflects really well. And so that's that's what we've got. It's a flat surface. So I was we were up uh, sorting a problem out at, uh, at uh, one of the uh, installs that we had, Selfridges, and I came back uh, in in London, and I was standing on the side of the road on Oxford Street, and I thought I'm going to try this product that I've got. It was called EHD at that point. I'm going to see what it sounds like with traffic, and I nearly. I couldn't. I couldn't. I nearly got run over. I was. Well, I crossed the road and I, I was talking to Dave, but there was no Dave there. And I turned around <laughs> and he, was still, he was still on the on the on the side of the road, and he was kind of just watching the cars go up and down. And I was like, Dave, come on, got to train. And he's like, the traffic sounds amazing. It sounds so good. <laughs> it's like the traffic sounds like a recording studio. And I was thinking, this is a bit weird. Then we're not on the underground. Bakerloo you, line. You said the same thing. Again. And the Bakerloo line went from a screechy track to a beautiful recording. And I was like, holy shit, this is not. And um, this was from which product did this? This is Karma. Okay. So if you wear Karma uh, in, a, in a, a gig, if you wear it in a busy restaurant, if you wear it on the underground, or the metro, whatever train system you have, or a busy, noisy city center, that all sounds like a mastering studio. It sounds gorgeous. You could sit there all day on a bench and just listen to the traffic. It's that good. <laughs> so, so we recognised then that it was a. Uh, uh, this wasn't. You know, this wasn't. <laughs> now I know why Naomi's dad tried to talk her out of marrying you. <laughs> like this guy likes the sound of traffic. I would run the other direction. <laughs> so I. I yeah. It was it, it is a hard it's a hard message to get across, isn't it? Because it's not an earplug, it's not blocking sound. It's um, changing the geometry of your ear. Yeah, it's changing the geometry of your ear but, and it, it's it's kind of cleaning sound up a bit. So I come straight back home <laughs> and I started doing some research because I thought there's a bigger problem going on here because I was recognizing that without it I wanted to run away from the sound, but with it in I enjoyed it. So I did some research and I found that the WHO published the noise regulations in 2018. And this is a 186 page document. And it shocked me because inside this document, there is study after study after study saying, and they say it, not me, sound, the noise is the second biggest killer after air pollution. Really? And at that point, I was like, wow. And it's, 
It's because of cortisol. It's because uh, a 10 dB increase of traffic noise leads to a significant increase of heart attacks, obesity, stroke, all the sort of ailments that you'd attribute to higher stress environments. Um, but yeah, search it. It's on the it's on the WHO website, Noise Regulations 2018, and they show you all the studies to do with you know traffic noise increasing, and they're making a big push towards trying to get city centres quieter. So they're designing buildings quieter. They're designing spaces quieter. They're trying to get the noise levels down because it's or they it's could just to- buy 10 million. Um, calmers, you know, I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> as a fellow fellow business owner, I like that idea better. They'll never be able to calm that stuff down. I think they should just buy calmers. No, exactly. They won't because we're too, we're too, we're too many people in the world to, yeah. to, to not do it. But I recognized that it wasn't noise that was the problem. I recognized that actually noise isn't the issue because if noise was the issue, then we wouldn't have people sitting in studios and sitting in gigs and absolutely loving what they're hearing and feeling very relaxed. You wouldn't get a, an orchestra or a beautiful concert and going and just sit there and listen to it all day long. You wouldn't get audio files sitting with um, headphones on, you know, and spending eight hours sitting there relaxing. You wouldn't have people like buying these loudspeakers and sitting in rooms and enjoying that experience. If noise was the problem, that would be a problem too. And it isn't. So, I recognized that actually it was our ears that were causing this problem. And it makes total sense because if you think about it, we've evolved our ears to be um, stress inducers so that when we're in the wild, we get alerted to threats. Um, And females have a slightly higher resonant frequency so that they get stressed if they hear a baby cry. And so it makes total sense how our ears resonate like a bell. So we took karma. And we went to the ISVR, the Institute of Sound and Vibration Research, because we wanted them to test it to, to show that we were taking away this distortion. And it's at that point that I realized that, what, well, at least from my perspective, I became aware that they didn't regard HRTF as distortion. They just regard HRTF, or head-related transfer function, as a natural boost to the human ears. But in my world, that's not what's happening. In my does world, that, I does, see. Go ahead, finish that thought, and then I've got a, a question. Yeah, in my world, so with HRTF, we have um, a completely unbalanced frequency response in our ears, and we add up to about twenty-one dB of mid-range frequency, somewhere between two and eight k, depending on the shape of your ears. What I recognised is that that is all decayed sound that's causing that big rise of twenty-one dB. Wow! Because because two kilohertz is 2000 oscillations a second, you get the one impulse of two kilohertz and then you get decayed two kilohertz, which it's 2K. But in your ears, if you're decaying that, that, that speed of particle movement, you're gonna get a resonance in your ears at that area. And that's what's causing this rise or this gain of frequency because energy doesn't come for free. We don't get free energy boosts in our ears we certainly don't get them passively and so the way we're getting this boost is we're getting it from decayed sound that sums and sums and sums and sums and you know that from you know listening to sound in a room because if you get the resonant frequency of a room you get a boost of that frequency so what does this have to do if anything with the fletcher munson curve which for for those of you who 
aren't as nerdy as uh, Dave and I apparently are. Um, Fletcher Munson curve. It's something that makes basically makes certainly music sound better and you get more detail as it gets louder. Um, and, and I'm imagining that that's got to have something to do with everything you're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, it has. And so th this 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 booster frequency that goes between two and eight K, um, Karma basically takes about half a bit away. So when we measured it, which we've got the plots on our website, we show the HRTF normal normal rise rise, and you can see the karma, which is about half of that. So, so it this, takes ha half a, of the amplitude away, half of the, the it volume. Takes, it, it takes the majority of the decayed sound away. We still haven't dealt with the tuning aspect of our ears, so we're reflecting sound with karma, but we're not tuning the ear at this point. Okay. So we just we're, we're just changing what was a a curved cave shape into a flat surface so that we don't get that decay. So that's why we're only getting, you know, half of the HRTF. But what's really important from a, just, just to sort of wrap up karma before we go into another technology this led from, that, that led us into the next tech is that we've sold in excess now of 2 million sets of karma um, wow. globally to 186 countries. Um, we are, it's been hugely successful um we have seen comments on social posts i mean we've got one social post on our feed if you go down there called jared it's at a, 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 about six months ago it had 109 million impressions a hundred thousand loves hundred and ten thousand likes ten thousand comments um and only 34 angry faces <laughs> and this this guy's saying that it's changed his life and he's explaining how it's affecting him and We've did People a... kind of say things like it makes no, it makes sounds less ouchy, less harsh. They st People don't want to isolate themselves from from sounds that frustrate them, because then you're isolating yourself from your environment and your conversations. So right. what karma does is it just it takes off the edges of those irritating sounds, and it just. Um, gives you a much more calming experience. Now, the other really interesting bit is we've been on lots of groups with, we went on an autism society group, we've been on autistic movement groups and all these different people. So we're getting to talk to all these people. And the one that really stood out for me, that really shocked me was the, the group of people who have um, suffered an aneurysm and survived. Because that's quite a terrifying thing. If you ever know what an aneurysm is, it's basically a blood vessel that bursts inside your, your brain. And if you're lucky enough to survive, you'll have to have open brain surgery in order to fix the problem. And they all describe when they had an aneurysm or when they had this open brain surgery and they started having their brain operated on while they're awake, um, they described sound going horribly distorted, like really badly distorted. After the surgery or, or are they? And after, during okay. and after. So when they had the surgery, suddenly the, the sound would go all distorted, a bit like listening to a really bad loudspeaker. It would be completely distorted. And it, and it stays that way on a permanent basis after? It does, Pretty yeah. horrible way to live your life. But they wear karma and it doesn't. Wow. And so what I recognized then, well, one, we gifted everybody um, and we gifted the society. Like anyone who's going for surgery, please contact us. We'll give you a free set. We don't. We don't want you. Um, we want to try and do our bit. If it's helping you and it's helping all of you, go for it. Um, 
But what I took from that was that I recognized that the brain does the same thing that it does with sight and it does with words. It fills in the blanks. And our, our, the, the sound that we hear is not the sound that's in the room. You know, it's not the same thing. Our brain is filtering out, I reckon, around 20% 20, 20 distortion consistently because of our ears. Because this 21 dB of decayed sound at 100 dB is going to be around the 20% area. And if you go louder, it's going to be even more. So that, that moment, we then realized, okay, so this is why autistic people, this is why noise-sensitive people, you know, especially kids that have to wear ear defenders, their brain's not filtering out this distortion. So they're having to listen to this distortion, which we are lucky enough not to listen to because we don't hear it. Now, there are ways that you can hear it because as you did with Karma Pro, you put them in your ears, wear them in noisy environments, take them out, and for a brief amount of time, you get to hear what your ears sound like without that filtering. And so that's how Karma works, and that's why it's more effective with some people and not with others. Um, but once you start tuning into it, when you go for a meal or when you go to a restaurant or when you go to a bar or when you're listening to supermarkets, supermarkets or when you're in a busy city center, you start to realize that you're actually getting stressed from this sound. It's starting to make your, your back go up. It's starting to make you feel uncomfortable, but you don't know why. And, and, and that's what's doing it. So this is that, all that, kind of mind blowing. It, it literally is like taking everything you think you knew and throwing it out. Um, certainly peeling back layers that most of us would never think of. And I'm, I'm really fascinated that you did. And I'm all, also equally as fascinated that Naomi is on board with it. You know, she's not just like the, the wife of the CEO, but I could see by the expressions on her face that she like gets it. And is also, you didn't grow up in audio or physics, right, Naomi? I mean, this just- No, you... no not at all. Um, I'm, I suppose I'm more visual. Um, I used to be an art teacher at secondary school. And so part of my role is Dave will have these ideas. Um, we'll, we'll 3D, often 3D print a prototype. I'll sit with David, he'll explain to me exactly what it does. And then I'll have to um, take that information and distill it into a nice, easy to read paragraph, which is really hard sometimes because with yeah. karma, um, there wasn't, there isn't anything like karma out there because it's completely hollow and it's not an earplug. Um, so you can't say you can't advertise it as an earplug. It won't block sound. So when you're describing that to someone as what does it do, and you're kind of saying, well, you need to wear it in these annoying environments and then take it out to really see what it's doing. That's kind of a difficult journey to take a customer on. You it, would it, never it, believe by looking at it that it does what it does because. No, it's basically like you took a piece of a drinking straw, cut it off and flattened out one side, kind of. Uh, yeah. When I first got my original set, I looked at it and went, well, I just spent 25 bucks on a piece of nothing. <laughs> you know, That was my reaction. Yeah. And I didn't give them a fair shake, so I didn't walk away with a good impression. But, you know, I, I paid attention. And I'm guessing that Naomi wrote the, the rules of the road that come in the little thing. It's like, leave them in for eight hours. And... Uh, I find I listened to you <laughs> and it worked. Wow. And um, it's, it's, it's especially hard now, nowadays, because people want an instant fix. They want to, 
yeah. put something in their ears or take a pill and it to instantly work and to and to feel the benefit from it. And and actually with karma, sometimes it takes an hour or two, or sometimes it takes someone a bit longer. Some people it's instant, but you know it is a little bit of a journey that you go on with it, and that's a difficult thing to to tell people when they've bought something. People are slowly learning because there's, there's well over 2 million people using Karma now globally and 15% of them have found it life-changing. So that is, you know, that that's sort of driving itself as a beast now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be relatively slow to build up because it takes time for people to spread the word and understand what it's doing. But as, it, as people learn about it, that technology will, will, will grow and grow, I think. But that that technology leads us now nicely into what you're wearing in your ears, um, here. which is our, um, our <laughs> only one type. side at the moment. But yes. Um, so, I mean, I've got because I I don't know how much you've told your listeners about about this um, this about this earphone, but I've got a prototype here, a much a much, a much larger <laughs> prototype. Because I want to show you inside. <laughs> okay, so I bet you didn't know there was going to be quite. Props. No, and I'm definitely not bending over anywhere near that first one. <laughs> they look dangerous. No. That's what's inside the earphone. Okay. And so, does that look so, familiar? So, yeah. Yeah, it looks but, like your it no, looks this, like your ear. This is a different side, but that bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, what you've got is two flat surfaces. Okay, so the driver sits here, and as this driver goes backwards and forwards, if I look into, if I try and get this right, I don't know how I can do this. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit difficult. Hang on. There you go, right there. Can you see my? Hang on. Oh, yeah. Your eye quite. Oh, hang on. Oh. Yeah. There. You can see your eye. Yes, yeah. I can yeah. see. So see your. We are sound like light like a periscope so like a periscope works you know how a periscope works on a submarine yeah so we are treating sound like light and guess what it creates the sound that you hear which is a much more accurate more detailed sound than you've heard before right in a, in a standard earphone because what happens with all these particles because as these particles line up and hit this first surface and reflect they all stay in line so we're thinking about just the impulse of every driver movement. And if we can get we can get the, 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 the path length from here or here exactly the same, so it ends up here and here, then we're going to get a uniform impulse response through that earphone. And so that's that's how that works. And, I'm a, um, amazed that you came to a point where you understood this stuff and were able to translate it into something this small, we don't have the same flat angles in our ear, right? The 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 flat part that you made to bounce it at a certain angle. Um, There's no, yeah. Okay. There's no way that our ears will ever hear mirror image sound without um, having the geometry changed, because our ears have got all these shells. It means you're never going to hear an accurate impulse into your ears because because of all this. And so and what we're doing. And you're getting the sound actually closer to your eardrum by virtue of the fact that it's longer, I'm guessing, than the normal, well, here. Before yeah. and after. <laughs> yeah, we're replacing the two bends. So as you put, you've got one bend 
as you go straight in and go forward, and then you've got another bend as you go forward to left. Does it cause any increased risk in, in doing eardrum damage because the sound is focused more at the eardrum and is a little closer? Absolutely not, no, because the, the problem with hearing damage is because of resonances. Resonances are really dangerous for the ear. I mean, you know that from a room. Um, you, having a very sharp sound hit your ear is exactly what you don't want, and that comes from resonance spaces. In this earphone, we don't get any resonance, so we can't get that buildup of peaky sound, which is where the dangers are. Uh, as I mentioned two or three emails ago, um, Waves, the, the plug-in company, has um, arranged a, a series, excuse me, uh, of plugins that simulate control rooms. They've gone in and, and um, done audio measurements of the reflectivity and the resonant frequencies and everything of particular control rooms of probably four or five, like uh, Abbey Road's control room, Studio A, is a good example of that. So I've got that, and normally you wear over-the-ear headphones, and you can set it up so it tracks via Bluetooth or via the camera. And so I didn't want to do it on Bluetooth originally. I want to see how the camera went. It worked quite well, but it's amazing having spent you know many thousands of hours in control rooms. There's no question if you listen to something with your elbows on the armrest of the console and lean slightly forward what you're hearing is much different than what you'll hear if you sit up straight and move back four inches. Uh, if you turn to the left, you hear it. If you turn to the right, you hear it. You could do it with your eyes shut and you go, yeah, you know, the Doppler, no, it's not Doppler effect, whatever. The, the, the time delay from sound getting to one ear versus the other tells you where the sound is coming from. You get that same science. Um, simulating the control room in your headphones. It works really, really well. It's very impressive. <clears throat> it also makes you work a little harder on the mixing because now you're introducing the reflectivity and the resonances of the room. Uh, you get to know it like you would a regular control room. So being the inquisitive person I am over this past weekend, I took my uh, e-prototypes and tried to get them to work with the waves thing because I wanted to hear what these would sound like in that control room environment. Unfortunately, my head froze and it wouldn't work. So I'm going to solve that problem and I will write back a detailed report for you because on one hand, you're eliminating the problem by you know using the uh, periscopic method of reflecting the sound correctly in your ear. And then you are bringing the problem back by introducing a control room which has all those weird resonances and stuff i'm just curious so i'll let you know just out of curiosity anyway um would this be a good time for me to play the video yeah yeah, sure. yeah absolutely and the video was done um for your kickstarter campaign there there some products in there that look like these the f-l-a-r-e earphones that look like these but have a triangle on the outside, right. which is just like a, a little window dressing, right? I don't think it, it's it's more That's cosmetic right. than functional. That was the prototype that led to the crowdfund campaign because we we only believe in doing things for real. We, we wanted to make sure that we were demonstrating the technology before we put it on crowdfund because, you know, you do a, an Indiegogo campaign about sound, no one's going to believe you. And we, we wanted to make sure that we had a product out there that people could hear so that when they came on, they could really talk about what the actual sound was they were hearing. 
Michael's right though, the the triangle is in essence window dressing. Yeah, it's right. totally just window dressing. Yeah. 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 Branding. Also I see somebody asking the question, Peter Rahill asked the question, can Dave explain why earbuds sound so bass heavy and do they cause potential damage? So you're talking, Peter, about all earbuds, not these, I'm guessing. Um Yeah. They do. It's the resonances of the shape of those earbuds because they're a shell-like shape and they're generally aims to produce more more bass. They cause all this resonance inside that chamber. And um, but it, it's not it's not good to listen to. Uh, if you listen to these earbuds, ear fatigue, it, it does create ear fatigue and it's not good for your hearing listening to peaky resonances from, you know, low cost um, ear, earbuds. So I do want to mention, um, aside from the fact that the product is really cool, the packaging is really nice as well, um, and you get this really spiffy, adorable little hockey puck of a storage device, and it does come with small, medium, and large, uh, what do you call these? Uh, tips. 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 Silicon tips, yeah. Okay, so... I went for large because my wife says I have a big head for a guy my size. So I tried the largest when uh, I had my friend Robert Cordy come over to do the demo of them a few weeks ago. And I remember thinking, how do you get the, the bass, the bottom end sounded really good. And it wasn't like too much, it was just a pinch too much, but it sounded really good. Like I could actually hear the strings of the bass rather than a big woofy undefined bass, which is a problem I find in almost all audio. It's really hard to find anything that replicates bass really well. So that was my only negative first impression and it was a very slight negative it was like, wow, they sound pretty bottom heavy, but not so bad, but then I read, and I'm guessing Naomi wrote this because I just have a feeling. It's like, try the different size uh, tips because, and you may need like medium in one side and small in the other because no two ear canals are the same. So I spent hours over this past weekend experimenting and you guys are so right that when I, I found that using the small tips that the bottom end was a little deficient for me. When I used the large ones, the bottom end was a little robust for me. And then I did Goldilocks and found the ones in the middle work just right. <laughs> it's all about, and that goes to show you, And if you don't get the positioning in your ear, then as good as this technology is, if you're off center to your eardrum and you're not, say your eardrum's here and you're firing like this or you're firing like this or there's a hole, you're not gonna get that impact on your eardrum in a clean phase delivered way and you know, it might sound a bit bassy or it might sound a bit toppy so yeah uh, it's important and along that line of thought i also paid special attention to make sure that they were both inserted equidistant and then i remember thinking well you know i should do it by sound rather than by feel or by some weird measurement that i really couldn't make so that was the next thing i did was uh, speaking of olympic studios i have a two inch 16 track master tape of the eagles take it easy that was found in a dumpster behind olympic what? back in wow. like the, the late 90s uh my assistant here at taxi called me up i was out at a meeting and he called me up and he said by the way there's a two inch 16 track master of the eagle song take it easy 
uh, for sale on, on whatever platform do you want it? Because he knows I'm a huge Eagles fan. I was around when they recorded a lot of their stuff. And this is with Glenn Johns Engineering, who's a legendary engineer that well-known for Led Zeppelin and a bunch of other big records. And I said, you know what? I would spend $500 on that, not a penny more. I mean, this is just like pissing away money because it's going to show up and be blank if it shows up at all. Anyway, he got it for $70. I guess I was wow. the only nerd in the auction. I got it for <laughs> $70 and I took it to Robert Cordy, our mutual friend at Capital. Uh, then he was at Capital. And uh, he bounced it over to digital for me. And I've got it sitting on the laptop that I'm talking to you on. It's amazing. Wow. So I was wow. listening to that because I've mixed it. Like during COVID, I was trying to mix it. Like how would Glenn Johns mix it? How would Bill Simzik, their later engineer producer, mix it? So I took that, long story short, if possible, and just brought up the kick drum and then moved these in and out until the kick drum was so pointed, it felt like it was coming through my third eye. And then I knew that I had them equi you know, properly placed to get a really good center. So there you go. For everybody that's got just a kick drum, <laughs> that's a great way to center them. Um, all right, so I'm going to play the video now and just know, folks, that are going to watch this, that there's some stuff that this was their Kickstarter campaign from years ago, right? Um, uh, I don't know which one of you is it the is uh, it the yeah, yeah, yeah it's the mirror image thing uh, oh, with all the, a couple of years ago couple of years yeah. ago okay so I'm gonna play this now and then we'll continue the conversation. Ooh, I love my flares. I am into these and mm. there's some magic going on no somewhere. The best way to describe it is I got taken on a journey. They're just light years ahead. The quality is incredible. I feel like Flay Audio have done um, some kind of miracle. They're magic. And I don't know how they do it. Hi, my name is Davis Roberts, and I'm the inventor and co-founder at Flair. We formed Flair in 2010 with the sole purpose of advancing sound technology and creating mirror image sound. We've produced high-end studio systems, loudspeakers and earphones. They all sounded great, but I knew there was another level that we couldn't quite reach. Then I discovered the one thing that was holding us back, our ears. What we've discovered is the human ear is never gonna hear mirror image sound. I don't know if you can hear me, Michael, there's no sound. This is because sound cannot reflect accurately through the irregular bends and curves in our ears. It's like looking into a wobbly mirror. Yeah, I just heard you. Uh, it's funny. I'm hearing the sound. Maybe you guys aren't. Were you guys on in the audience hearing the sound? Can somebody... Uh, it, they're on a little delay, so let me know if you guys could hear the sound. Yes, they could. Okay. Oh, so, sorry. Uh, that's okay. Interrupting you. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Um, sorry. No problem. All right, here Ooh, we go again. I love my flares. I am into these and... Mm. There's some magic going on somewhere. The best way to describe it is I got taken on a journey. They're just light years ahead. The quality is incredible. I feel like Flare Audio have done uh, um, some kind of miracle. They're magic. And I don't know how they do it. Hi, my name is Davis Roberts, and I'm the inventor and co-founder at Flare. We formed Flare in 2010 with the sole purpose of advancing sound technology and creating mirror image sound. 
We've produced high-end studio systems, loudspeakers, and earphones. They all sounded great, but I knew there was another level that we couldn't quite reach. Then I discovered the one thing that was holding us back, our ears. What we've discovered is the human ear is never going to hear a mirror image sound. This is because sound cannot reflect accurately through the irregular bends and curves in our ears. It's like looking into a wobbly mirror. It's not a true representation of reality. On top of this, everyone's ears are different, but the one thing that we all have in common is that we never hear the original sound. In fact, as much as 20% of what we hear is actually distorted. But what if I told you there's a whole new world of sound quality that you've never heard before? Right now, there's a limit on sound quality. With traditional methods, it doesn't matter how much money you spend on earphones and headphones. There will be a limit as to how much detail you can hear. We are now beyond that limit. We're limitless. Introducing Flare Ears. E, our everyday earphone, perfect for anyone who wants unique mirror image sound at an affordable price point. A, Active, a wireless earphone with an interchangeable cable for mirror image sound on the go. R, designed for recording, a perfect and reliable reference for producers and engineers. S, for those who want the ultimate look and audio experience. We've developed this technology to remove distortion and perfect how sound travels inside the ear. It works by reflecting sound in the same way that a periscope reflects light. This ensures that every impulse of sound remains totally accurate and we hear mirror image sound quality. No distortion, a true reflection. This is mirror image sound. We're working with the most advanced manufacturing plants in the UK using the latest machinery, components and analysis to bring this earphone to life at an affordable price. We've produced a prototype, a proof of concept, which we released last year and the independent reviews speak for themselves. It's like listening in colour, I suppose, after you've had a black and white TV. When you can actually hear what you heard in the studio as you were watching people recording, it makes all the difference. I don't know how it, how it happens, it's like ear magic. Having been in the studio and knowing what that layering of sound is in the studio, to get that in your ears, I think is really special. And I think they are pioneers, actually, in what they're doing. I think probably the best headphones that I've heard. There's a feeling of kind of depth. The bottom end is great. They're just a, a, a very kind of high-class product. It's been a journey of real understanding of what Davies has created with his passion, showing our ears what true sound is really like. Wow, the clarity and the depth, just the color and texture on, you know, some stuff that I had been listening to for decades. The e-prototype headphones are something really special. The sound quality is the best I've heard and that's the bottom line. They even have made them in different price ranges so everyone can afford them and I think that is that speaks a lot to what kind of company Flare are and why everyone loves them. It doesn't matter what you're listening to, they, they, these take you to somewhere where the listeners should really be able to go. You can be washing up or walking along the street and you feel like you're in Brixton Academy. It is transformative. I don't know how they do it, it probably involves magic. Very true sound. Easy to listen to for a long time. I think they're great, 
great headphones. For small in-ear headphones, they are absolutely superb. It's thrilling to have a British company with brilliant, innovative designers and inventors making things that just do the job. This was only a 3D printed prototype using basic components, assembled completely at Flair on the south coast. This campaign will allow us to bring mirror image sound to everyone at an affordable price. A universal sound that retains the beauty, detail and nuance of the original art that is perfectly mirrored for listeners like you and me. This is not only going to change earphones forever, it's going to change our relationship with sound and music. We need your help to unite the world's ears so that artists, producers and music fans can all experience mirror image sound. We'd love for you to back our campaign and join our audio revolution. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Amazing. Um, great job on the video. And I'm still so blown away by this whole thing. It's like I want to take a month off of work and just come over and hang out with you guys. You are definitely my kind of people. Um, what do you want to move on to next? Do you want to talk about the e-prototypes? Do you want me to tell people about my experience, which is pretty much in line with everybody that was in the video? We'd love you to share your experience. That would be lovely. Okay, so it's hard to explain. They're just better. It really is hard to explain. And I now know, you know, the, the science and the theory and the physics behind it. Um, and I'm also fanatical about audio. And uh, I put them in and one experience I could tell you is I always use Steely Dan, the song Asia from the album Asia as my reference. I got a copy of that given to me many, many years ago, right before the album came out, actually. Um, they gave me a short version of it so I couldn't bootleg it. Um, I happen to know one of the guys that engineered for them. And I listened to that and I remember thinking, I'm hearing parts that I've never heard before. And I was, again, I went in a little cynical. It's like, how good could this be? I had a little five minute taste when my friend came over and let me try his. Um, but then I listened to something else by Steely Dan and I literally heard instruments that were layered in that I'd never heard in 40 years of listening to it. And all of a sudden I went, oh, that's because those instruments were masked by the natural distortion caused by the ear previously. I heard Bernard Purdy play the most delicate little cymbal role on a ride cymbal that I've not heard in 40 some years of listening to that song. So it's not like, I remember Tannoy once gave me a pair of speakers back in like 1985. They gave me the huge studio monitors and some um, meter bridge monitor near fields. And they sounded really pretty, but they were too pretty to mix on because they colored the sound. They sounded very British. They sounded like a Neve console. This is not the experience that you get with these. So you won't put them in and instantly, like literally in a second go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But the more you listen to them, the more you realize how wrong everything else you've heard was. And that's yeah. probably the best way to describe it. Can I say I could mix a record on these? I'm feeling a probable maybe on that. Um, 
I, I, I'm thinking about my daughters who are 23 and 27 years old. They listen, you know, with one earbud while they're talking to their friends. So they don't pay attention to audio. So I don't know that your average Gen Z um, person listening to music on an iPhone would really appreciate these. But it is, it's hard to explain. It's just better. Um, and somebody in the chat is asking, what is Michael talking about? I'm talking about the e-prototypes. And you literally make these on a 3D printer in your in your office, right? Yeah. Wow. We've got some robots downstairs, four banks of, of these automated 3D printers. They're very cool. They get made, and then the team here hand assemble uh, the earphone. It's and, to prove really the concepts of it. And at some point, are you going to move beyond proof of concept and come out with like a non-prototype version? Oh, yes. So uh, before I move on to the next bit, because I really want to explain to you where, where we're going and what okay. we're doing. We've got all this exciting technology, but it's great having exciting technology, but actually changing the world with it is what we set to do. We want to become the apple of a sound world, and we're, we're not going to do that if we complicate things because we're a tiny group of 23 people. We're not electronic wizards. We're not Apple with thousands of employees. You know, we're just a small team, but we want to disrupt Apple, and we want to disrupt the entire world of sound because... There is this massive problem and what you're describing here in terms of this masking um it's creating a sort of brown hue on the on the sound signature of every track that you listen to so it's a bit like you know before the days of hd screens and seeing you know blurry images on crt screens and then you see the film again on super high definition 4k 8k you're suddenly seeing all the detail in the vision that you would not had before you're not seeing all the lines on the faces or the tiny details and you look back at old pictures now that have been used in ai and they've enhanced them and suddenly you're seeing these old pictures that were taken in 1930 1940 1950 suddenly are looking like they were taken yesterday and um so vision has come a long way but sound hasn't and because of this HRTF distortion, it's a bit like if you were to go in the studio and do a plus 20 EQ all over those frequencies, you're going to lose all the all the other information behind that, and you're going to lose information in the high end, especially because you know they're going to mask that is what you've just described. So we we recognised when we when I started to make this that we're really under uh, unlocking the fundamentals, but you know, we have this big challenge because we don't have an ability to make miniaturization of electronics. We don't have an ability to make true wireless. We have to stick with basic uh, concepts uh, and, 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 you know, and learn how we can make the earphones more acceptable to the consumers by putting things like NMCS connectors on and, and all that. But, and this is a but, and this is what I've not really explained too much before on um or to anyone i've ever spoken to but i want to talk to you michael because you're talking to my fellow people in sound and you know i very much respect artists and producers and engineers and that's why we we're engaged with you guys is because mm -hmm. we really care what we're doing with flow is not a corporate we're a passionate company trying to unlock the problems 
Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Just... <laughs> you unlocky the problem. Yeah, uh, I'm unlocking the problem. So the, the trick, the, the key bit, right, is if we had those electronics experts, we wouldn't have gone down this next route because going back to what we were talking about earlier about studio recording, one, one thing that all studio producers are doing is they're getting put the frequencies, they're getting, a, say, a female vocal, a male vocal, and they're pulling out the harmonics that they don't like and they're pushing in the harmonics that they do like and they're crafting those voices and they're crafting crafting the track well you know as you've heard we can take away that hrtf distortion and we don't have the ability to make complicated electronics so that's forced me to stay passive and this is where the next bit's coming that's very exciting we are now currently working on a new technology that you put inside your ears that makes everything that you hear in the studio in under headphones sound like that wow and this is going to be a low-cost item that's passive that you put <laughs> in your ears and it enables you to hear significantly higher detail now the really crazy bit that is really going to disrupt people and unfortunately it, 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 it's 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 going to upset a few people is that we can make a 30 dollar pair of chinese headphones sound like the best you've ever heard and you know five thousand ten thousand dollar headphones at least wow we, we've, we've we've sat here i've got a big pile of headphones over there i've got bose qc 35s airport maxes 550 pounds worth of airport maxes i've got um sennheisers i've got all the different types the one that sounds the best is the cheap Chinese. <laughs> now, I'm not just saying it's just Chinese. I'm, uh, you know, the, the, Sen, the, the Sennheiser basic headphones sound great. The um, the, 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 the they, they all sound amazing, but the best sounding ones are the ones that don't have any electronic correction. They're the ones that haven't been tweaked because I became aware about 10 years ago that Apple were fighting and battling HRTF, just like you guys are in the studio. Apple are doing it in their AirPods. And what they've got is little microphones inside of the AirPods, and they're tuning out the resonances of your ear canals. They're taking out these frequencies electronically. But the problem taking, out, taking them out electronically is because sounds in the time domain, once the damage is done, it's done. You can't then fix it retrospectively because it's already in the air. It's already moving around. So if you're just pulling frequencies out, you're going to pull detail out. And so um, we're aware that they've been spending billions trying to solve the HRTF issue. Uh, Bose have been doing the same thing. And uh, they've all been trying to, you know, make products that work with your ears. Um, but as I just said, the exciting bit and the shock for me, um, and I'm not, you know, I wasn't aiming to do this. I was just aiming to, you know, unify our ears so that we all hear exactly the same thing and we can all hear more detail than we've ever heard before. I was not expecting the most basic headphones to just sound blisteringly amazing. As long as they've got the frequency response, so as long as they've got the bass and the top end and it's all there, it'll be bonkers. I can't wait till you move on to eyesight. 
<laughs> you're you're so passionate and you dig so deep to solve these problems. Quite amazing. Um, I want to get rid of your pain. That is too much pain in the sound industry. There's too many producers ripping their hair out day in, day out, you know, going, you know, you know, why do they not like the track or why do they not like what I've done with that vocal? You know, I want to solve that. Do you think that you'll end up licensing that new technology to all the companies rather than making a product that you put in your ears and then use their, their product on top of it? Well, I think so. We, we've obviously got our own, we're working on a range of um, consumer earphones and a range of professional mastering earphones. So we're taking that sound experience you've got and we're making a range of three earphones that are aimed at different markets. We'll be launching them later on in the year. As soon as we've got a set, we'll get them to you. But it takes that sound experience you've got, amplifies it even more because it's having a beryllium driver. It's made from uh, components of titanium. So we're really like tuning it and getting it absolutely perfect for the mastering um, version that we're bringing out. The one that you will be able to mix up. The but the passive the passive one in terms of the, this, this device that I'm talking about that you're going to put inside your ear, at the get-go, no, we're just going to launch it and we're going to throw it out there. And um, the great thing about this technology is you can e easily hear it. It's very, very, very noticeable. You put it under your ears, you just push it in, put your headphones on and it's like, whoa, it's like they just sound beautiful. You listen to it, listen to a couple of tracks, you pop them out your ears and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> because you're hearing remember what we talked about about getting used to the sound yeah. well when you put things under just one track underneath even 30 seconds of one track take them out it feels like you're abusing your ears wow so it's it's a very big shock and so our plan is to to get these out there we're then going to get them to all of the audio reviewers in the audiophile community as well as getting them to all of the producers that we know and all the people. And we'll, we'll just do what we've done before, which is just push it out there and get people aware. If I'm being brutally honest, if I was, if I was Bose or Apple and I saw this technology came along that um, made my competitors headphone that's 30 quid, 50 quid, $50 sound significantly better than my set of $400 <laughs> headphones, I want to own that technology. Yeah. Um, we're not going to let it get buried like that, though. Because we didn't do this for money. We did this for a passion. The only way we're going to agree to people, um, you know, licensing the technology is if they get it out there. Right. So we're not going to allow any of that to go on. Well, I haven't worked this hard to unlock these problems just to sell out and not do it. I love the thought of, love the thought of someone wearing a cheap kind of... Um, wonky looking pair of headphones that look like they've been battered about but having this underneath it they're having this secret awesome, weapon <laughs> or, 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 you know this audio experience that's just this all encompassing high levels of detail i mean i just i love, I love from, that. just from an i mean you know just from an environmental point of view if you can drastically increase sound quality of all the existing headphones out there then you're not going to need to go and spend thousands of bucks or whatever you're going to buy with the next headphone, the next headphone, because you're going to get a better experience on this than you ever will. And I'm not, the good thing as well is even the best headphones still sound amazing. 
it's not doing any headphone it, service. No, it's, it's every just, single headphone sounds significantly just, better than you've ever heard it. it's just the jump from the low quality horrible sounding you know stuff that you find on amazon the the rubbish plastic fantastic crap that you get actually sound crazy good because they've got no they've got no wadding inside them so that you're just getting an impulse from a driver without any friction because the problem with wadding and the dampening is it slows it causes particle friction i i learned that back my with my loudspeakers is we don't have any wadding inside our loudspeakers because we use vortices and as soon as you put wadding in you add friction that friction causes a drag on the particles and their movement and it causes dampening which is what you all know in studios you're, you're adding friction to, to sound so the best headphones are the ones that sounded the worst and do you know there's one thing that always stays in my mind about engineering and it's one thing that always i believed in up until about two months ago and engineers always used to say to me you cannot polish a turd right and actually you can <laughs> so that is is that the marketing spin that Naomi's going to put on it the the flare turd polishers <laughs> but it's, 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 I'll tell you what's fascinating is it's the immediate trust that you get because you know how it is when you put something in your ears and you get a different sound experience especially in the studio I can imagine that you're very reliant on your ears and your studio and your monitors and your setup well, you'll be very pleased to hear that when you put these things in, there is nothing that changes, zero. So you put them in, there's no frequency change, there's no, there's no muffling, there's no change, there's no change. Not like with Karma, where you get a slight muting of mid-range frequencies. You don't get any of that. It's, it's, it's zero. But you turn the music on and you just get this beautiful high-definition HF where you're hearing details in the HF that you've not heard before. And it just all comes alive, especially on monitors. That's my experience with the E-Protos as well, is that it doesn't change anything. It just makes it better, which is hard to understand how better didn't come from change. But that's the only way to explain it is you don't go, oh, you know, the, the mid-range response is much better. Or the top end response is more detailed. It, it is more detailed but it's not because you push the amplitude of the high frequencies it's because the garbage isn't there in front of it so separation it's like it's like we, we a lot of mixers and mix engineers i talk to talk about cluttering tracks like help the beatles or green mm -hmm. day you get these cluttered tracks they declutter the tracks so you go and listen to help the beatles or you go and listen to green day on these and you can hear all the different guitars you can hear all the different stems it's it's all it all separates yeah, listening to Babylon Sisters by Steely Dan with these, I swear, I mean, it's my favorite drum track that Bernard Purdy ever played. And all of a sudden, I heard him doing this little thing that I've never heard in 40-some years. So that was quite exciting. Don't let me forget, and you guys, they generously said they would give a pair or two of these away. Um, so... We'll get to that in a couple of moments, but I have a question which people have brought up in the chat room. By the way, everybody in the chat room wants to buy stock in your company. <laughs> That's a very good sign. Uh, when customers are begging you to buy stock in your company, yay. Uh, <laughs> right, go to the uh, taxi stock brokerage. We only take a 25% processing fee. <laughs> um, Okay, so let's say this, again, people have been asking this and I had the thought as well. So if things sound so much more clear and there's less garbage in the way, 
um, whether it's listening to a pair of speakers, a pair of headphones, what have you, how will that translate into mixes? Because it's often been said, I, I grew up using JBL 4311s, 12 inch three-way speaker made by JBL in the mid seventies. They were not a great sounding speaker, but they were the best sounding speaker that could sit on top of a meter bridge without breaking it back in the day. Um, so they became the de facto near fields until um, uh, Bob, I can't think of his name. Anyway, uh, NS10s became uh, the speaker that everybody uses. And, and there's nobody that will tell you that NS10s sound great. The theory behind NS10s working is they sound good enough, they're relatively flat, but you have to work kind of hard to make your mixes sound good on them. If they sound good on the NS10s, they'll sound good everywhere. So now if Michael Lasco, the mixer or recording engineer, has this great audio experience where I can hear Bernard Purdy's little cymbal roll on, on you know, on his ride cymbal that I've never heard before, will that affect the mixes that I'm doing in a negative way? I think, um... I haven't heard, we've got a lot of people using the prototype to mix on and to produce tracks. We've got Liam Howlett from the Prodigy, um, he's using them. We have uh, Neil Gaiman, he's mixing the final mixes of uh, Sandman, uh, was using the e-prototype. Um, we, we have a lot of people doing it. I I think the, the challenge we've got is that a lot of engineering, and I became aware of this through talking to Gary Langan a lot um, from the Art of Noise, he founded Metropolis Studios, and he he would describe as part of the job of the, the mix engineer sometimes is to sort of hide stuff in the track, just throw it in there and get and create this this lovely sort of ball of music that you're listening to, to create that whole vibe of the track. And I think that the challenge we're going to face is you don't get that with these. so. You, you don't get to hide anything. Everything's right. still there. And I think that the, 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 maybe that it will change the way that, Mac, that tracks, are, tracks are mixed. I mean, ultimately, if we do our job right and we hopefully license this technology with someone like Apple or someone, some major audio company that can, that, that can scale this, we get to the point where the new technology is in the majority of ears. And then that's the point in which you say now we're mixing it for this 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 particular technology because ultimately I think you know if you're listening to that much detail on your on your head on your earphones, then you're going to benefit if someone's mixed the track using that technology because they're going to be able to make it. You know they're going to make the experience even better than it, it, it could have ever been before because they're able to just place everything so in a such detailed way. So I think ultimately yes. But maybe we got a ways to go yet to get to that point because people are going to feel uncomfortable. Some people will feel uncomfortable creating specific tracks if they're putting a lot of detail in it and they want it to sit into a sort of into a mix, into a bulk mix, into a sort of hidden sort of vibe of a song rather than details laying out. I, I don't know. That's my guess of that. Well, point. you could. It's analogous to when um, the medium for buying records or albums, LPs, went from vinyl to um, CDs. There was that crossover period where most people didn't yet have a CD player and those who got one went, wow. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, I remember engineers thinking as they sat down to start mixing an album, am I mixing this for CD or am I mixing it for vinyl? Because it really wasn't the same approach for both. So you're going to have that. And that's going to be a lot of fun for Naomi as a marketing um, person that... Uh, to try and explain that, that we're in this transitional period. Those of you who give a damn about audio, get this. Those of you who are one of Michael's daughters listening to music with one earbud in, you can wait. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. I think. I, mean, I think if you're a music lover and you just and you and you're really you want to fully immerse yourself in the music you're listening to and hear and hear. The more I can hear in my favorite tracks, the more connected I feel with the the artist, the studio, the recording, the whole thing. You're just in it. And I would always want to hear as much detail as possible because to me, it's just you're exploring that sound all the more. Um, I can't imagine not wanting that, but I know that it's not something that's important to everybody. I know that you can hear auto-tune. A lot clearly. I mean, certainly with the new technology become the mastering version that we've got, you can hear all the phase frequency changes of auto tune happening, which is going to be an interesting um, enlightenment for some uh, engineers. Because when you can hear when you can hear auto tune phasing, the effect that they put on vocals that might change, especially if it's been hidden. I think um, in certain tracks, good production and good engineering sounds just like beautiful, doesn't it? It's yeah. just I I. I love hearing flaws in tracks. I love hearing real vocals. I love hearing real instruments. I love hearing everything in a natural form. I dislike, um, you know, sanitized. sanitized versions. And I think the one thing that I can tell you from listening to um, this new tech that we've got coming and the e-prototypes is that I'm listening to tracks that have been remastered. And I know for a fact that they're pulling out frequencies and resonances that they're hearing in their ears and actually they're destroying the original art. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried about the remastering. Hey, I've remastered this. I've remastered this because right. I'm like, hang on, don't get rid of the original because we might be going back to that <laughs> once you've heard this. Do you guys remember, I don't know if she was big in the UK, an artist named Melanie who did a song um, probably before you were born called I Got a Brand New Pair of Roller Skates. Um, any, anyway, she was the opening act at Woodstock. She was the true first flower child, hippie, you know, with a flower in her hair, long dress, acoustic guitar artist. Anyway, I did a couple of albums with her, and the first one was live in the studio with a full band, sometimes up to 10 players live in the studio with an audience of 30 people sitting around on the floor, and we didn't use headphones, we barely did any overdubs. We did the whole record start to finish live every night for 10 nights in a row, and then I took the two-inch tape and took the best 30 seconds from night one and the next 30 seconds from night four, blah, 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 put it together and then mixed it. So. I know that record better than I know my wife and children, sad to say. Gosh, I hope they're not watching tonight's episode. Anyway, um, I put that record on over the weekend. Unfortunately, I listened to it on Spotify, which I don't love the quality of what I hear on Spotify. But it was a song called I Believe, and we had um, a group, an all-African-American vocal group called The Persuasions, um, 
that happened to be in town doing a concert. And Melanie called him up and said, come over. I've got a song that's kind of gospel sounding. I would love to have you guys sing backgrounds on it. So they're singing live in the room as the track's being done with an audience of 30 people smoking weed, drinking beer, clapping along on the floor, but it sounds like a studio recording. All this to say that I engineered the record. I mixed the record. I know that record so well. I heard stuff in the background vocals that the Persuasions did. I could hear each individual voice so clearly in the stack, yet they all blended as well. So it took my experience as the guy who knows, I, I know that record better than Melanie probably knows that record, certainly from a engineering perspective. And I heard stuff even I didn't know I did. And I was listening to it going, damn, I was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Humble as I am. Anyway, it's just amazing. I, I'm, you know, and I don't mean to be such a fanboy about these, but they deserve it. Uh, um, couple of taxi members read the piece that I did in the newsletter that came out at the end of December and they bought them just on my recommendation. And I've gotten, yeah, I've gotten emails from them saying, wow, you were right. And I'm sure other people will feel that way. The, the big question is, what is the ultimate best use case for them now in our world? But I'm very heartened by the fact that you get our world. You're not just building audio products, you're building audio products where you really understand how they get used and, and by whom they get used. So I have every confidence that this will um, improve our art rather than somehow being a, a roadblock or an obstacle or it sounds too good now, the average person on the street won't get it. I, I'm not so fearful of that, but I, I will, um, try and mix something soon where I do the entire mix wearing these and uh and and let you know yeah um anything else I we're we're over on time oh and I've got to give some away how many do you want to give away uh 50 60 <laughs> one or two uh, <laughs> how many comes on? I don't know you're the marketing person <laughs> <laughs> five pairs Huh, five? Five. Awesome. That's extremely generous. You just made a bunch of people in the chat room very, very happy. It's funny. Somebody just said, Michael, mix that record for the future. No, I didn't. Uh, the label ran out of money and I mixed that record very quickly. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. And I don't want people to... Um, to type in a plus one, we, we do a thing where everybody types plus one and then somebody gets picked by Liz sitting in another room running her finger up and down the chat room. I don't want everybody to enter twice or three times or five times to try and improve their odds. Let's be magnanimous, democratic. You get one shot. And what we're gonna do is Liz is literally gonna go one, grab the name, two, grab the name, rather than going through this process five times. Liz is gonna grab uh, five people from your vote. Do not vote twice or I'm gonna fly to wherever you live, bend you over and give you a sound spanking. <laughs> <laughs> now children. Um, okay, obviously you can tell at the Lasco household we beat our kids. That's why they're so well behaved. <laughs> Kidding, don't, don't send letters, that was a joke.
Um, there should be, a, I like this, Herb Hartley says, there should be a taxi discount for everybody in the chat who wants these. Um, <laughs> thank you for running the marketing at the company, Herb. <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so let's do it. Uh, let's start right now. Type, type a plus one. One time. And Liz is going to pick five of you. Here come the plus ones. It's killing that they can only type it once. And I'm watching, damn it. Anybody puts your name in there twice, you're in deep shit. I'm deep trouble. Big trouble. <laughs> It's a family show. Used to be anyway. Can't believe you're giving five away. That's great, Naomi. Thank you. It's uh, just made five people or going to make five people extremely happy. All right. Liz, if you would be so kind, it doesn't matter what part of the world they live in. Sometimes we do stuff where we're sending books and we tell people outside the U.S. they can't enter because it costs more to send the book than buy the book. Uh, okay, Liz, just post the five names when you get them in the chat. Paul Croteau is asking a question. The consumer terms section 8.3 for most products bought online, you have a legal right to change your mind within 14 days and receive a refund. Does that apply to the e-prototype model? Of course. We, we've got a 100-day um, return policy. We don't want anyone to not like our products. I agree with you. Taxi has a 365-day return policy. And I was talking to a, a lawyer about just general business stuff, not really about taxi recently. And he said, you've got a 365 day refund for people, you know, that, whoops. And I said, yeah, he goes, you're out of your mind. <laughs> he said, everybody's gonna sign up, send in their music. If they don't get a record deal in 90 days, ask for a refund. I said, I know. Anyway, all right. And the winners are Pete Carroll, Eric Anderson, Heidi Owen Straub, Lamar Pecorino and Alex Dillon. Well done, uh, guys. Well done, guys. Congratulations. Yes, really, congratulations. You guys are going to love these. Um, I will have Liz send you guys, um, the Roberts family, I will have Liz send you uh, all the addresses and stuff for all these people. Um, also, um, let's plug the website. They should see the whole range of stuff that you sell. Um, and did you say, do you still have a 20% off sale running for the month till the end of January? Yes. Yeah. Um, wide, so it's off everything. Okay. So like you just heard everybody in the chat room, um, they made everything on the site 20% off for taxi members for the month of January. So go buy your stuff now. Yes. Really, really fascinating stuff. I am so grateful that you guys stayed up so late to do this. They swore they were going to do it in their jammies with their little sleeping caps on, uh, which would have been quite cute, actually. Uh, 
mother, bring me my tea. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, it'll keep you up late. Um, I, I'm so, I guess the word is proud of you. Uh, as a fellow entrepreneur, I know how hard it is. Uh, I, I, I remember the first three years of taxi getting um, eviction notices on our apartment door all the time. And I know, you know, somebody once said to me when I started the company, if you don't cry yourself to sleep at least once a month and beg for God to like, you know, watch over you and make this all work out, then you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> so I, I, I know you guys understand that and get it. And I just think what you're doing is super cool. And I, I love the fact that it's so nerdy that it's like, cool. It's like nobody else ever took the time to figure this out, but you did. And saving the world one eardrum at a time. Pretty damn cool. Um, That's very kind words. Thank you very much for having us as well. Oh, my pleasure. We're really looking forward to it. It's just like we don't often get to talk. Um, we certainly don't do live podcasts like this. And to be able to talk to, or at least have a broadcast like out to the like-minded people who understand studio world i wanted you guys to be you know the ones that i really sort of just open up and explain everything as we're doing it in a very simplistic way so that there's no barriers there's no you know i'm more than happy to answer questions if if you've got people who've got specific questions after this chat they see it a bit later and interested now something works please please do contact us we don't want anybody to to not understand what we're trying to do um, so Rexomatic is asking, can you please describe the Jet earphones? Okay, so yeah, Jet is very straightforward. Um, you have a driver inside the earphone, earphone, and then on the front and the back of it, we have two Jets. So those Jets are milled to specific tolerances, a bit like how you have uh, a Jet on a carburetor of a car when it fires fuel into the engine. If you put too much fuel in, it'd be too rich and the car won't start. That's the same thing that happens with uh, traditional earphones because there's no control over the sound going out of the earphone into your ear. So that's how jet technology works. That's one of our uh, earlier patents that we have. Um, it's an exciting earphone, isn't it? It's got a really punchy sound. It's, it's more of a typical consumer earphone because the issue with jet is we're not changing how sound reflects in your ear. So you're still going to get your ear distortion, but what you're going to hear from the earphone itself is resonant free and it's very controlled sound. So it's a bit like uh, if you tune an instrument, if you tune a guitar or tune something, that's what we're doing with jets. So we're using jets to tune the output of the driver. Um, somebody suggested, and I was going to ask you this privately, but I'll ask you publicly. See, Pencil in your calendar the first weekend of November, which I think is like November 5th through the 9th or something like that. We do a convention every year at Taxi where we get a couple thousand of the people watching the show today that come from all over the world, probably 80% from the US. Every single person in that hotel, we basically take over a Westin hotel right outside of LAX so that nobody needs to rent a car, you can take a free shuttle. And we, um, it would be a really good venue for you to come and do a presentation, probably not unlike what we did today, where it's very informal, but informative. And we've got a, a theater, uh, we've got a ballroom that holds a thousand people. We've also got a theater that holds 200 people that looks like a Hollywood screening room at the hotel. I think it would be really good for you guys as people in a company 
to hang out and do this and just talk to people in a room like that. So put that on your calendar, please. And uh, we'd love to. Yeah, yeah and you we'd love to. And go to, to go to Disneyland the day after. We're only about forty minutes away from Disneyland. Woohoo! <laughs> that we sounds. Love we love Carmel. We 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 come out to see us and them a fair bit, and we've we've driven driven that whole uh, road trip. You know, through San Carmel. Francisco. And we really like Carmel. Carmel by sea. Yeah. Carmel. Yeah. We said yeah. at one point we'll retire there. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, but you'll be paying ten percent more taxes than everybody else in the country, but. Uh, it's almost <laughs> worth it. Uh, so for, you know where Pacific Grove is. It's right up there. Um, so an old friend of mine for many, many years, every night he goes out on his patio as the sun's going down and he has a cigarette and a beer. And he calls me every now and then while he's sitting out there having a cigarette and his beer. And he, I'm on the phone with him some years ago and he goes, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, that plane just crashed. It was John Denver dying in his plane his plane ran he didn't do the crossover valve to switch from tank a to tank b ran out of gas and the plane crashed about a quarter of a mile in front of my friend into about six feet of water and that was the end so now every single time i think of that whole area that's the only thing i can think of so i wow. won't be visiting while you're vacationing in carmel but have a nice time <laughs> wow. now that i've ruined it for you too Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, let's get you out for the road rally. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. I, I'm I'm glad that the people in the room understood. Oh, it's November 7th through the 10th. Sorry. You'd think owning the company, I would know this stuff. But, you know, I have a lot on my plate. What can I say? Um, somebody's asking, which set would you recommend for the studio? E-prototype. E E-prototype. Yeah. There you go. Are there plans for a Bluetooth version, uh, or is that not possible due to loss of quality via Bluetooth? No, we 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 have got Bluetooth version coming. Great. It'll be out. It'll be out before. Well, probably end of Q1. So it'd give us another two or three months. If you saw on that Indiegogo crowdfund campaign, we've delivered all those perks. The comments of the people uh, listening to the sound have been wonderful. Um, we're now working on the consumer range, which will be on our website. There will be Bluetooth 5.2, which is lossless. Um, there'll be around the neck Bluetooth version as well as an over ear Bluetooth version. And I've got to be honest, the, um, it's really impressive. The Bluetooth, um, it's actually, you know, it, it's a challenge because an another thing I will very quickly hit on is, um, that lower cost amplifiers so you know you know the, the cable that you can put in your your iphone to listen to these sounds incredible with those with the e-prototype yeah as, as long as it's a proper apple one and not a not a copy that's on that's on amazon which they talk, tend to be um and the reason for that is because part of the problem with electronics is because you've got all this resonances and you'll i think you'll you'll know this is that as well as a loudspeaker creating sound, it also becomes a microphone to the resonances inside the loudspeaker. Okay. Because it, it, if it creates sound like this, gets reflection, comes back and hits the driver, that's creating electrical interference, which then goes back to the amplifier. Wow. And that's why you have yeah. lots of capacitors and everything to try and stabilize the amp supply to the, to, the, um, to the device. Well, because this technology doesn't have resonance, it means that all of the amplifiers 
pretty much sound the same. But the best ones are the ones with minimal electronics. And so from a Bluetooth point of view, in listening to a typical Bluetooth headphone, they sound incredible because they, the Bluetooth devices, it's not really the, the Bluetooth that's the problem nowadays because the, the Bluetooth is actually lossless now. You don't have that issue in terms of audio quality. What they actually suffer from is the lack of electronics and capacitors inside the amplifiers. And so when you plug a traditional um, acoustic device into a Bluetooth cable, it doesn't sound that great because the electronics can't deal with all this resonance that's feeding back the microphonics coming from the drivers. So um, that's why our, our long-winded way of saying <laughs> our Bluetooth ear earphones sound mind-blowing and they sound just as brilliant as the cable version. Incredible. Um, but don't worry. You know what? I'm going to go a little longer. If you guys don't mind, I mean, it's two o'clock in the morning for you, and I'm so sorry to keep you up so late, but I think you're having a good time from the smiles yeah. on your faces. Um, I've got some questions, and we've never done a show this long, but as long as people are into it, um, are the flare jets for regular listening? Yeah. Yeah. And here's one from Larry Receive. Uh, am I looking for the e-prototypes on your website or is it listed by a different name? E-prototypes, they're easy to find. Uh, and easy. the website again, it's flareaudio.com. Yes. Um, what is the name of the earphone we should look out for that's the next step after the e-prototype you talked about that's coming out later this year? Yeah, I can't give you the name of that right now. But as okay. soon as we can. As soon as we can, we will. Um, it's just trademarks and all the rest of it. You know, we can't release names ahead of the time. Right. Apologies. I'd love to be able to. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So with that, let's wrap it up. And what I, um, what I will say. Yeah. If you have any listeners who want to um, find out, but want to be the first to know, please, please sign up to our mailing list. It's on our website. We don't um, abuse people with our mailing list. We're very considered. We don't obviously, we would never give data to anybody else. It's all about trying to let you guys know what's coming and when we're launching it. And we're very informative when we do that. So if people want to be the first to know, do that. Uh, definitely sign up. And I will definitely have you back. Anytime you have anything interesting to let people know about, please shoot me an email so I can have you back on the show because it's really fun hanging out with you fascinating information love the product love the company falling in love with you guys even though we only met two hours ago um, any plans to tackle in-ear monitors as well um the in-ear monitors are a bit more of a challenge because you've got molds that are molded to the inside of the ear canals that said you know we're already having people use the e-prototype for IEMs although it's a sort of universal type and they're not really getting the molded isolation which they would get on stage they are still using them in low low sound low SPL environments but they're not using them as proper IEMs so um, maybe it's a difficult one because we don't we're, we're, we're not we're not going down the route of you know measuring people's ears and molding earphones to fit particular ears so I think that'll be a license, uh, a license deal that we'll end up doing with a, uh, you know, a company like Ultimate Ears or, or whoever's you know making the IEMs at that point. 
All right, one last question, and then we at some point we have to stop. <laughs> you guys will be up till three in the morning. Um, this is from Edmund Red. Any every physical structure has a resonant frequency. How do you bypass the resonant structure of those earbuds? Okay, so we're reflecting sound in in a way that's not transfer. We, we want so if I was to talk at my hand, the sound wave would go straight at my hand and it would resonate my hand. If our hands at 45 degrees, a lot of the energy is, is getting reflected and then carrying on. And so by minimizing the, the resonances of the structure, we, we're, we're using these waveguides. So we're trying to get the sound out without transferring it into the structure, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I can't wait for you to design a new microphone. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other yeah. thing I love is, is some people... Well, they all have their little fetishes. My fetish is microphones. <laughs> what can I say? Doesn't take yeah, much to keep me happy. <laughs> I understand that. There's a, lot, there's a lot of problems with microphones too, because they they have the the opposite problem of you know how do you capture a sound wave without having this resonance behind the capsule? And yeah, get it. Yep trap those particles. All right, yeah. guys, thank you so, so much. I really, really enjoyed this. And I'm sure we'll be talking uh, at length about a, you know, a, a range of stuff. Go get some sleep. Thank you for staying up so late. And congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Michael. As soon as we've got the next technology coming out that we've talked about today, you'll be the first to know. We'll jump on a call ahead of it being released. And we'll look awesome. at you know, doing some uh, reveal with you so that you get to to share it with your audience. Thank you so much. Um, absolute pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah, it's been lovely to meet you. We hopefully. really do appreciate the exposure. Um, we're not, as you can tell, we're not a corporate company, so we like to talk passionately and we love to engage like this. So thank you. As do we. We get it. All right. Be well, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care.